Keegan is off in Bali. I'm jealous. Amazing. Honestly, to just be inspired and like get outside of the rut, please just go follow Keegan Smith on social media right now. And he could, he could bring out the best in you. And he really helped me with that. Fortunately, Ben Clearfield is here. The map of specialization, individualization. Marcel as well is, is very confident on this subject. So I'm going to start in, in with Ben today. He's going to do a, a lot of the breakdowns today. If you're familiar with zero dense standard, zero, like you could just start ATG with literally nothing. Dense, you could probably add a slam board and maybe a dip chin up station and, and get going. And then standards, like we, we do need more things to work the body. At which point now you've mastered forms, you've got equipment set up. So now we're introducing this ATG shred where you're getting body composition training by using all those tools. But the whole idea is that any of these things could still customize to the individual. You don't have to do any one of them. Zero in particular, not everyone wants to go through a 12 week body weight phase. So when we finish shred here in 10, 11 weeks, we're actually going to introduce our first like ATG muscle program as an option. So someone could go zero or muscle. So we're creating a yearly flow with that flow. Then we're going to dive into specialization. So, I mean, Ben could go all day on this, so we can just kind of take it one at a time with some of the most common things that are going to come up. Like, why don't we start with your NFL guys, right? So, uh, if you're taking ATG, you've got like, let's, let's break down an NFL off season, uh, using dense and standards. Right. So I, I would say it this way, I would say the genius, I'm going to entry it and say the genius of what Ben and ATG has done is this carpet bomb, nuclear bomb of figuring out certain movements that we all agree everyone should work towards both proficiency in quality of movement and uh, strength in load on that movement. So that's sort of the genius, I think, of the program in that we have a certain amount of movements that we think are the biggest bang for your buck that, you know, we learned from Charles Poliquin with some of the uh, added uh, mobility uh, sort of, I would say sniper rifle tactic, which gets to the heart of various issues, you know, low back, knee, ankle, shoulder, you know, spine stuff, next stuff. And I think the, the genius of it is if you were someone that got the online program and did zero individualization, I mean, it's not, it's not it, it's, we have the results of tens of thousands of people around the world that have done just that zero individualization, individualization. Follow the recipe as it movement is. quality. You're nailing movement it. quality. Movement quality. And I actually gave movement. up that intro by saying dense and standards because really, for an NFL guy in the off season, you could actually like they often take time off. You might go shred and then build muscle, or I, I, or vice versa. So really, I shouldn't have even I shouldn't have even assumed what the NFL off season would be. But you've nailed it. Like the movement quality, but there's a lot of different ways you could go from that movement quality. So. Maybe that would be the example. It's just like, how would you exactly. how, take that movement quality and then for an NFL guy? Well, what I would say is the entry point for myself is I don't train NFLers or I haven't trained NFLers or any of our athletes um, in big groups. And I think the idea of a big group, not that it can't be done phenomenally well, but from our point of view, what we do as a business is we take individuals and we see what their structural issues are on a case-by-case -case basis. So it doesn't make sense. So I'll give you the greatest example I would say is some of my NFLers come in and their hips are so tight. So once a week split squat, which is what often happens in our ATG programs, that's not enough for them. Some of them actually need And not in an off season where you have 12 weeks and exactly actually have more. Like you sometimes have five months of work with NFLers, which is that's amazing. Correct. It means you could do Basketball so much work point. less time. And they're so destroyed because of all the running. So NFLers, you can get the, in some ways it's the best sport to train, whether you like it or not, because the off seasons are so long. Most of them are meatheads and actually like the gym and they're used to working a lot. They have a high work capacity such that you can train them twice a day. So it's one of those things. So I actually would like, like, and that's their job. They don't have a nine to five and then go home to the kids. And I mean, maybe they go home to the kids, but not work yeah. the nine to five first and trying to train in. But... Yes. Exactly. And the night to fight for them is training. So in some ways, and, and moreover and nutrition and their budget is there. So the, uh, the advantage is multifold, multifold. So an NBA guy, like, like you trained NBAers, but you're getting them maybe two months of the year, maybe. Whereas yep. with my NFL guys, I could get them four or five months and then they would have, uh, 
OTAs where they go and then it would train again for like four weeks or five weeks. So you get them, you get a, a lot of time to really work on weak links. So, you know, and the other thing to realize with, with, with athletes and we, I just dealt with an NHLer with major injuries, often you'll get the opportunity to work for, for a long time. And sometimes an injury, which is the whole point of an individualized program where you really attack an issue. That's how I work on individualization. So what we do is we usually take a priority of one upper, one lower body where we really, really work on that. So for example, like that's like a guy. So you're taking a framework, but then, but then you're, you're dialing it in with the, with the weakest, tightest length, one for lower, one for up, and you're systematic addressing that. Exactly. And we work backwards do what we're trying to achieve with those. So, so if it's shoulder injury stuff, we do from the most basic of basic shoulder movements where we get into rotator cuff, all the stuff for trap three, rotator cuff, pal, the most basic remedial lifts. And I'm going to do a video on the parachials, which is our number one thing we do for shoulders before someone can even get into rotator cuff. Sometimes they're so destroyed from surgeries or anything like that or injuries. And the same thing with the knee, the knee, we all know, but I think the thing with, with what we do is we see what lifts they're deficient on. So if the movement quality is good, then we start doing an individualization on how strong they are in different lifts. And this is the idea of the structural balance conception. So if someone like, like I would say, and I've talked to Ben about this, for example, his split squats is, you know, it's Mr. Split squat. It's immaculate to be fair. Marcel is too, but mine is not as good as theirs, but my squat numbers and my back strength numbers are higher. So for me, I've played with my numbers where I will do my I'll split squat three times a week, but squat once. Whereas for Ben and Marcel, maybe they should squat twice or three times or more. If that was the idea, if they were in their athletic mind, this is making it clear to me a good way to run this because the nature of individualization, quite literally, we could probably break down like a dozen different topics, each one an hour long, each one with sub hour long. So here's at least, here's at least the flow that I can see. Marcel and I can talk about how we're individualizing to ourselves. And then Ben will probably get ideas further on like how he does it for clients because he just said like about the squats. So we're doing this program right now. And so on both of the quad sessions, I'm crushing the slam board squats and I'm loading with the barbell, like trying to get stronger. Uh, meaning I'm not using split squat for those knee exercises. You get two days to work the knee. You could pick whatever you want. I'm only keeping split squat once a week on the mobility day, just for the mobility of it. But the actual strength driving I'm doing twice a week on the squat. And when we do the rounds, I'm skipping the bicep or tricep isolation and doing another set on the squat. So I'm getting six sets of 12 twice a week, trying to get stronger. So that's a perfect example, like how I'm individualizing. And that's major volume, major yeah. volume for your, for your squat pattern. And it's just going to power up my legs like so easily because I've got this underlying balance. And so like, it feels like yesterday, like I'm on my sixth set, I'm just like, God, like my knees feel so good. Like this is so easy. Once the knees are balanced, like just drive up their strength. It's so easy. I was, I was realizing this, um, just yesterday going through the session. So I'll keep it personal over to Marcel. Like, how are you tailoring shred? That's the face we're in right now for yourself. And then I'm sure Ben will have more and more to cover on training clients. Well, right now I'm really taking the program as is just because I, I want to get a conceptual understanding as to what our members are going to go through and what our coaches are going to be educated on. So when it comes to me being an educator, you know, for our coaches, it's important for me to understand the ins and outs of the program. And with that said, being doing a hundred kilos yesterday for 12 reps and, and on the, on the slant squad and being outside, like about to pass out, that's what you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. I nearly lost consciousness on the way into the bathroom. I thought I was going to hurl, but I didn't get there. <laughs> that's magical that, that you know you're training right when that happens and you need that sorry to interact for body composition no i want you to interject that's the whole point of today is marcel yeah. bits to fuel off is really the purpose i think part of the thing that people have taken for granted about what we are as atg is we're rehab people and we're only rehab people until it's done until you're not you don't need rehab anymore and so i think the thing is that understanding that our, our, our recipe is nuanced. It's rehab when you need rehab. And we do that. Well, and prehab is then getting stronger on the rehab. Exactly. I think we do the rehab or quote unquote, whatever you want to call it, the structural stability stuff so well. I mean, we've done it. We, we it's just, we just have the evidence of so many cases. And, but, but I think people sort of forget the hard training, which is now we're going to get that body composition where you're putting heavy loads up for volume and for reps in a way where you're seeing stars. And it's, 
It's that really hardcore training that people crave. And I think the mistake that a lot of people do in our industry or whatever is they give people what they want, which is that hardcore training without the structural stability. And so then people say, well, my trainer hurt me or my coach hurt me, or I was lifting heavy weights and uh, heavy weights is what hurts me. It's like, no, you have to earn the right. And I think the genius of our recipe is that we, we really hold people back and make sure that there's structural stability and joint integrity and tendon health such that we can then train really hard. So I think the idea is there's always a time and a place. It's a, it's a scale from the rehab. So Fernando hit 120 kilos yesterday for 12 on the slam. And we're talking like, we're talking like these guys' asses are almost hitting the slam board. Like we're not talking about like, we're talking about unbelievable movement quality and doing that while doing other exercises. And, but so that was Monday, Sunday, Fernando was dunking on the basketball court playing basketball, but if he wasn't that strong, he wouldn't be able to go that hard on the knee. So the, so if he, so Alyssa did yesterday's workout and she just took like no breaks and did body weight slant squats and felt great. But body weight slant squat is not going to bulletproof your knee for basketball. Body weight slant squat might actually get you out of pain better than stem and ice and drugs and all that shit. But body weight slant squat is not necessarily going to prevent swelling when you go play hard. But getting strong on the same thing is now like Marcel could go hard and not be like having his knee hurt the day after. Yeah, I mean, like right now, I'm able to train and just keep showing up in the gym with no issues, you know, and I'm very passionate about what Ben Clairfield covered, which is we are often recognized as, you know, for prehab and getting people healthy, but we just have a, a viewpoint in which when we get the body strong as it needs to be in all the right places and there's no area that is going to be compromised by the load that it should be taking on, then then is when you can expose it to even more volume and even more intensity without the worry of pulling in an injury. So back to back to my training, you know, I yield for me based off my structural numbers, you know, uh, it inspired by Charles Pollockman and the numbers that we've been working on. I know my back is imbalanced compared to what my, my quads can do. So I haven't changed uh, ATG shred right now at all. But what I have done is observe the program and see, okay, maybe on the extension day where we were starting with calf raises and then we went on to VMO squats and the back squats or the back extensions. Yep. Instead of doing the VMO squats first, I would actually make my back extension first because I want that to be the freshest. I want that to get the largest stimulus and then just follow it up with VMO squats, which I'm still going to load, but then follow it up. This is the great interjection time for a principle of training, which is the first thing you do gets better, faster than anything else. So it, it, you don't even have to change the exercises, but changing the order. And I learned this from Charles Poliquin. You can have the same workout of the same reps even, right, but point. if you change the order, you're going to actually get a different stimulus. Yeah. And what you do is you do, and one of the geniuses of what ATG does, for example, is for a lot of people, they're not great in preps to do a split squat or a squat. So what we do is we do step-ups first. We do calves and step-ups first so that the joints around the knee, especially with that gastroc and the tibs and the ankles, you're going to get capable in the BMO, a little bit of stimulus, a lot of like short range stuff to get blood flow and knee. But that preps you to get into either squats or split squats. So there's the, there's a, and I've talked to quote unquote ATG for upper body, which means you do your rotator and baseball first. Like that's, that's a, a sneaky ATG idea that you prep the joint first and then you do your dips and your chin. Rather than jerking off the five pounds at the end. But if you hit it first, your energy is like, I see guys are going, since they have to go tib on the first set or cap, they're actually going hard and trying to get stronger. Whereas if it's at the end of the workout, it's like, oh, I'm just going to throw it in. I got a haircut. Well, you're already fatigued at that point. So, 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 you know, so that's a, I, that's, I think that's a serious takeaway from a programming point of view of individualization is you almost look at the same workouts. You're like, oh, I need more of this. So instead of ignoring the other stuff and adding more of this, you actually just switch the location during when he's exactly. doing the workout. And that's a great principle. That's an individualized principle, which it, you can then take the, and so the answer is that Marcel actually isn't doing the program as is. He's playing with it from an individualization point of view, even though if you looked at it on paper, it's like, oh, you just moved this over here and over here. Didn't touch the reps, didn't touch the sets. It's just placement of when you do the exercise. And I think a lot of coaches forget that 
as a as a as a methodology for individualization. Well, the thing is, is like you know, we at ATG, we're this online business that are literally training thousands of people. So when we go and look at our programming, you know, we always consider what's going to be the biggest bang for your buck. What is going to be like basically like a scatter shot, like a shotgun shot, like. In-person training is more like a sniper, where you lock in on the specific thing. It's for you. It's not what, you know, Jose or, you know, Michael is going to do. It's what you're going to do to handle your problems. But when you're dealing on a wide scale, it's like, okay, what are going to be the best exercises that are going to produce the best physiological results that are going to produce the best bulletproofing effect in what sequence? And so, you know, when it comes to me, now I start thinking, okay, these are the movements that we're including in this program. Great. So I know my back is in balance. How can I use the same exact program and just modify it a little bit so that I can get the stimulus that's going to most impact me? And so when you know that you are lacking in some of these areas, for example, Ben, you have like wrist work in ATG Shred, but not everyone's going to need wrist work. I'm a tennis player, so it's in my... It's in my personal interest to make sure that I get those, that work done. If you're a sprinter, you're not going to lose based on your pronation and supination. Exactly. But if you're a tennis player, it could quite literally be career changing. Exactly. So you have to, you know, you look at this program and, you know, with us on online, you could always ask the coaches and figure out like, hey, you know, these are the issues that I'm encountering. How should I approach this program? And our coaches will help you. But if you're dealing with an in-person coach, like an ATG certified coach that understands the program, they would then be able to look at you, see what areas structurally need to be addressed, and then modify shred, modify zero, modify dense and standard in a way that it's going to best influence the person's abilities to execute their athletic, or even if they're not athletic, if they're just trying to handle their lives, you know, say they have back pain. And that's exactly how we, we do it here at HQ. And, and when we were using like the true coach app, like you can't, it's like so brutal. But now with our own app, we can take this kind of genius. And it's actually one of like the key things we're working on this year is being able to implement individualization into any program. So yeah, it's cool to take this one, but really every phase that we go into, we'll have to then consult more on how do you individualize that phase. So I get... If we kept taking this one, but, um, so today's session was Tuesday. What I did today instead of the extra, instead of bicep curls, so I, I stopped at pull-up and I worked hard on my pull-up, full range of motion, good squeeze at the top, good quality, you know, for basketball, bicep, back strength. But then I threw on the hamstring curl machine in addition. So I got three sets on the Nordic and three sets on the hamstring curl. So maybe we could go in, into some of that, Ben. I know you trained, you trained, you trained your other biceps. Yeah. Train your biceps more. Exactly. My other bicep. So what are some other, so you mentioned with NFL. Yeah. So I'll say, I'll, I'll say, I'll say it's an interesting thing because it's, it's totally connected to, and I was thinking about this when you're saying what you're saying, a lot of people in the collegiate world, I think for us, I think one of the revolutionary things that work, I think we'll achieve it is this ability to, uh, convince people that, they, you know, everyone's different. And I think the thing is that in the because the United States drives the world in a lot of things with the collegiate money of collegiate strength and conditioning, um, and then to the pros, especially in the NFL and football, I think there's so much that's there, but a lot of these athletes are in a situation where it's not any fault of the strength coaches. There might be two or four strength coaches for a hundred guys. And so everything sort of trickles down from that model. And there's some great strength coaches, some of my really good friends or, you know, strength coaches in, in, in the NCA and, and pros and this kind of thing. And I just think in some ways they're set up for failure and they're doing great jobs. Some of them are doing better jobs than others. But I think this idea that you've got a hundred guys between four people and that there's no individualization. So when I first had my pros come to me, they're like, oh, we're just used to working out. I'm going to grill you today because you could actually, now we're getting to some really valuable apologies to the listeners. Sometimes I go in and I know what we're trying to cover. Sometimes it happens by covering it. But I'm actually going to grill you by sport on how you would get guys in better shape by sport. So you would almost like, you know, anything body comp related, but like kind of the, some key things, maybe it doesn't apply to all 100, 
But if you did that phase of, of what, let's say, split squat three times a week with a team of football players, you will make freaking freaks. And this is what we did, like, in person with the football team. And, yes, we had the whole team master split squats way beyond what football players would be expected to, way better range of motion and strength through these deep positions. And we had the most D1 recruits that year in America per player. So, but different sports are going to have different of these things. So that's kind of finish what you were saying, but then let's, yeah, let's take it. You made the freak checklist by sport. Let's take it by sport on individualized. I would say the problem in football that I see is a significant quantity of non-contact knee injuries. And I mean, I think if any people are qualified to talk about knee successes, it's us. I mean, you especially, but it's all of us. We've just dealt with so many knees on an individual, on and on. Like, I mean, someone was asking me, it's like, I think I was, someone was messaging me about it. It's like, well, what if the other view is correct? The not knees over toes, quote, unquote. And my answer is like, we just have too much data now. Like, we just, we just have our, our group of ETG, knees over toes, call it what you will. We just have too much data. Yeah. We won. It, like, I, in, in my mind, it's like, it's just incontrovertible. Like, there's just, do we just have too many examples of winning? It, it's better if we master rather than fight if someone has different yeah. so so my, my point is like it, it's all there we have to keep recreating these results but i'd love you for football most common things most common things to correct in football that if you did do it on a whole team you would get that team a potential cheat code relative to teams of comparable what are some cheat codes for football range of motion and by that we mean uh i mean especially with the knee, we're talking uh, split squat, step up, and full squat. We're talking astagrass, heels elevated squat. A significant quantity of them don't have uh, great dorsiflexion, and then the things that we do will absolutely help them. So all the calf work we do, all the good stuff. I mean, split squats do such magical things for dorsiflexion. And then I would say also, they do not do a great job in knee flexion. Um, and I think you, you probably single-handedly have caused an inflated price in Nordic Nordic benches across the yeah. world. And I think that's a great thing because it means that people are now chasing knee flexion strength for the hamstring. And I think I think that's something that's been football team. And for college, also get a fleet of hamstring curl machines. And then for pro, you get a fleet of Nordics, lying hamstring curl and kneeling. So I guess as your money goes up, but you want like a fleet, and I think that's why it's often not done. It's like equipment wise, I get it. Like you have all these squat racks. How are you going to train knee flexion that much? I can say when I visited one of the facilities that shall remain nameless, nameless in the pros, we'll talk about yeah. it later. Cause I don't mean to call anyone out an NFL facility. Okay. Um, my player who I had given his workouts, he was high enough up on the draft board that he could do his own workout, which I don't know the politics of it is that yeah. it depends how low you are. You have to do what the team wants you to do. Or you yep. can come in and say, I do what I want. So he was at that level where he could do what he wants. But the leg curl machine, there was one leg curl machine that was external. He was outside of the strength conditioning facility. So he and one other player that made $90 million, this is a few years back, he, they, they were the only two that would use it on their own and go outside. And the amount of knee injuries was astronomical. And I remember talking to someone about how they were t asking me if, knee flexion made people slower and i it, it sort of boggled my mind that that was even in the realm of a discussion again like i'm not trying to be i was just i was like what on what planet um but for me those are the things and from an upper body point of view there's no question that nfl athletes are unbelievably good ventures um, but i would say structural stability of the shoulder and working on chin-ups would really really help them especially the line positions when I dealt with linemen, uh, most of them couldn't do chin-ups. They're like, we're big. We don't do chin-ups. And I got most of them to do so many dips and chin-ups at their side. We're talking 300, 310, 315, 320 that couldn't do chin-ups. But they're super strong, but they just never, they did it with bands. And I was like, absolutely not. The strength gains of linemen getting into their chins or Nordics, look at all their weight so that they're going to make gains so rapidly because of the amount of stimulus. It's like you're almost just easily jumping into something at a very high stimulus. But I did want to recap what you were saying just to make a strength coach out there realize like we're not doing ATG because like everything's right in the world and we're trying to be interesting. We're doing it because Ben Clairfield's training a top NFL player, goes to the facility and finds out that on a team where knee injuries are rampant, they're not working knee flexion. Like what planets are we on? 
We are talking about getting in the basics of common sense that even the sports science stuff shows. And so many physiotherapists have reached out and been like, wow, thank you for popularizing Nordics because knee flexion is so weak in the athletes we train. And do you know how much money NFL teams have for their gyms? It's obscene. And, and collegiately too, the colleges have money too. And so in my this mind, I would, see, I would want to see eight pieces, eight pieces in each facility. In Charles Poliquin's yeah. old facility that we trained at, he had eight hamstring pieces. We're talking not a Nord, not even counting the Nord. We're talking machines for yeah. knee flexion. Different yeah. angles, standing, seated, lying, uh, selectorized, single leg, both legs. And that's number one reason I tried to popularize the Nordic because I could afford buying a fleet of them and getting guys, get on, fight down, get really good at fighting down. You do the Marty State where we explode up. And if you're a high school athlete, you actually could save up and afford one of those for your garage. But it might be tougher to get. Not anymore. What? Not not anymore. Honestly, I think we'll see the prices coming down. I'm I'm joking. joking. Actually, so many people are making them now. The price is coming down. I did notice the price went up at first when it was like only Brogue and Sornex, but now the price is coming down because a bunch of other people are making them. And I'm actually making my own with Sornex that scales. So you could do it the, the old way at ATG where we, we we actually would elevate the bench. And so we came up really, really good design. One of our ATG for Coaches members, who's an engineer, actually did the design. And Bert Sorn of Sornex is, is in, and, and we're doing it and making an ATG-style Nordic bench. But it's it's not because you wouldn't also want a hamstring. It's just we have to invest where we can to get going uh, our hamstring curl machine. So, okay, so that's some great stuff for for football. If we just look at where the money is being made, today you're still going to have to cover soccer, uh, baseball, basketball, no offense to anyone else. I think those four are making, have like the most number of people who are on like $100 million. Like I'm not saying there's not, race car and golf but i think i think if you look at basketball football soccer baseball you have like dozens on 100 million dollar plus contracts meaning money at even the college level is like and actually some of these high schools even now have like big money so we can affect some real change so in in any order um help us break these sports down i'll i'll add two more things to football yeah um i think there's are uh, Maybe even three more things. I, I, something that I think is getting better because of ah, a few people. Um, I think the sled stuff for football is major for joint. And uh, and a lot of the big guys, their knees are so destroyed that they need a sled. Secondarily, I think neck training is absolutely crucial to any contact sport to help with uh, alleviate uh, concussion, like the chances of having a concussion. And the other thing I think that people don't talk enough about and this is why I think I love the shred stuff and the, you know, the body comp stuff and dense is because the leaner you are, the faster you are. And that's the magic of athletic performance is getting people lean. So if you have no idea about the methodologies of athletic performance in the sense of like a front squat or the incline press or dips or rotator or any of that, if you just did bodybuilding and got the person leaner, they will be faster. So for us, it's not only do we deal with the joints and that, but but from an athletic performance, getting someone leaner is important. So putting muscle on as armor and getting them leaner as getting them faster. And then all the other stuff we talked about for football, but that carries over to other things. I think the idea of- out on the sled, as much as I love the sled for football, it's more like for sport in general, it's that I hate doing extra conditioning work and beating yourself up when you could be doing sled as your conditioning work. So that's actually. If I almost had to start with like another foundational cheat code for just about any sport, it would be be healthy so you can play harder in your sport than other people. That's going to condition you best. And guess what? If you need more conditioning, hit the sled and do it forward and backward because now it's going to make it easier to play without pain. So like the cheat code for conditioning is to be Michael Jordan. And what do I mean by that? He played harder than every other motherfucker on the court. And guess what that did? Made him more conditioned. So that's the cheat code but if you're in pain you look like you're not trying hard but really you just can't get into those positions that mj was in and same for football you look like you're not trying hard you can't get into those joint positions so it's not like you have to have a sled but just replacing all the extra garbage conditioning with sled and and like your athletes will be thanking you at the end of the season so and yeah and i think i think the thing to think about is 
there are specific things in individualization for sport, but everyone needs what we just talked about too. I mean, but the thing is like from the concussion stuff, a neck training, like Marcel does to need not much neck training. He's a tennis tennis, You're not going to need much neck training as football. Yeah. And surprisingly, actually, basketball needs more neck training because what happens is invariably, and I learned this from Preston Green, who is one of Charles's, you know, best students and uh, one of the best yep. strength coaches uh, collegiately out there. He's at the University of Miami. He was at the University of Florida for a very long time. And what I, he saw is that everyone walked in, and this you'd love this too, they do caps every time they walk through the door every day, and they do neck every time they work at the door wow. on a significant quantity of time. But basketball players, uh, tall basketball players, are looking down at their coach, and they're looking down at shorter people than them all day. So they get yeah. their necks go forward. So they need a lot more extension. So they need to really take care of the neck because what it does is it puts load on their low back. So in some ways, say, oh, but there's not much contact in basketball. There is some, but you need neck training for that. But any contact sport needs neck training. And any, any, you know, you can never neglect the low back. So I think that's something that the genius of ATG is really, if you were Marcel and you didn't know, and he wasn't a coach at ATG, but he was just a tennis player that was like, well, I'll sign up for the ATG program. He would do great by just following the gear. Like there's nothing wrong with that. There's going to be magical things with that. If you were a football player, if you're a soccer player, you'll do great by just following what everyone does. However, what we're saying is the individualization is discovering weak, like the ATG program, if we just do the cookie cutter ATG program, will address your weak links. It'll just be slower and you might not get to that thing in the, in the specific time, but it's okay. We'll get there. The genius of the individualization, individualization that we're talking about where Marcel says you can talk to a coach online or anyone that's certified is that we can target those things and make it quicker. And with athletes, they don't have the time necessarily to do a year flow. They actually have a certain quantity yep. of offseason. And, and when Ben does it, Ben does it even more hyper special specialization when he has to train someone, you know, an Andre Drummond or uh or you know a Christian McCafferty, and he's got a day. Yeah, Saquon Saquon wants to meet up this offseason. We were just DMing yesterday. Ooh, sorry, Saquon? Amazing. Yeah. We want to do like a live he wants to do a live tune up this offseason. That's amazing. Yeah, we had Bryce Harper last offseason. So, so he should. And yep. he's going to get a, an amazing value from that. But that's the magic because that you're not going to have say, okay, get on the app and do the whole not year. Not a year format. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So the point is, like, even Ben, the inventor of the whole thing, you know, call it what you will, it, it's, it's going to change what he does with Saquon if he has a week or three or five. What did you have? You had four weeks with Bryce Harper? No, longer. Well, with most of these guys, I was actually trying to teach them a routine that they right. keep but, doing. But you had more form. time with Bryce. That's the point because he came in and moved yeah. to Clearwater. Bryce, I got to train every day because the Phillies wound up being here. So there were like a bit of a lockout. So he came early and we got to have more time. And like he really mastered a ton of the different forms. So yeah, like with, with Saquon, I'm going to be getting like trying to get perfect form in on the stuff that he's going to specifically need. Plus knowing that he's then going to be going and having whole other programs to do. So I'm going to have to specialize even more of like, what will he, like when he goes back to the team or this or that? I think you'll be able, I think he might be able to be in the situation now with his contract, which is interesting. It's worth thinking about this from an individualization point of view, which is that he'll be able to deal with the, he might be in a big time position where he can negotiate his own workout. It's possible. You're a hundred percent right. He could do whatever he wants, but we yeah. need more confident results producing coaches because they don't want to just take anyone. And even if they want to do ATG, there has to be competent coaches who have produced a ton of results. Like if I told them, hey, I'll just be your guy and travel with you, then we'd be able to just do, I'd be able to control the training, but I can't do that. So um, I, I know pro athletes want this stuff, but the confidence, it comes from getting results. And it doesn't matter where those results are, but you got to get results and more results and you got to stack up results. And then these type of guys are reaching out more and more and they need someone with them, like for every session. So that that's the thing. I think that the magic is real. So if we're gonna, if I'm gonna summarize in three seconds, is we have the magic of the movement quality of all of the things we do, with the idea that some people will need more of some of those movements at specific times, and that's the way you have to think about for athletes. So should Marcel do neck training? Yes. Should should uh, should a basketball player do some wrist work and grip work? Yeah, he's gonna hold the ball. He or she must have to hold the ball. So there is grip work in that. Um, but is it the same as a jujitsu athlete that that is their life? Does a jujitsu athlete care that much about oh, their vertical shit. jump? 
fighters now are actually, I totally screwed them over because they're actually making a ton of money now. Yep. So, so, so the thing is that, so realizing like how much grip work, any fighter grip is absolutely key. So a ton of grip work is more. Yeah. Start, start there. Fighter, you're going rapid fire, breaking down the cheat codes, meaning if you are doing what are the cheat codes that you want to be getting like the best in your sport at? Like, that's the thing. Like, okay, you got the base. But like I know for basketball, I basically just have to get better on the on the knee flexion and the slam board squat, and I'm gonna go out there and, and feel like a million bucks on the court. And and the road you're back strong, but you're back strong. Yeah. But the base program, the base, I'll be good with the back. All that. That's kind of my point. Is like mentally, you're gonna now talk to the fight coach. So you already talked to the football coach, which is probably the most strength trainers out there for like like huge strength training industry. What's your cheat code for fight coaches? You were just starting to start with the grip. What else for fight coaches? Grip, grip and neck are, are, are non-negotiables. And I think the other thing with fighters is that they actually crave getting like destroyed pump type, like destroyed in programs and actually think they need to calm down in the weight room and be much more technical. So I think they have to do all the stuff with the knee. Um, and they all get destroyed knees. Um, so all of that knee stuff that we do from a structural stability point of view is really key. And then what happens is their backs are weak often. So you need to make their backs super strong because of all the different angles. So all the QL stuff, all the different back stuff. I think you had, a, you actually said this uh, many, many, many months ago, where if you were a fighter, you would actually get their Jefferson curls up because they're going to pick people up. And again, this is with the progressions that we do. So if someone's back is hurting, but they're a fighter. Well, elephant walks are a great start, but at some point you want to progress them to a significant load on a Jefferson curl. But again, within reason and safety, I'm not saying they should Jefferson curl 400 kilos, but if they could just giving an example, if they can deadlift 200 kilos, then like a 75 kilo Jefferson curl isn't crazy. Like that's not crazy. And being in a position where they can be in flexion is, I think is a good thing because they're going to do it in their sport anyway. And back except they're able to kind of get that in. Yeah. Like Absolutely. a fight with someone. Knowing what I know, absolutely, Charles, I would want to go into that fight with my lower back stronger than the other guy. If my grip and lower back were stronger than the other guy, it's definitely if things are technically advanced, I'm probably going to win more often than not. I mean, if if things are technically like balanced, that yeah, that's a cheat code with the lower back. So so um, if you want to, if you're a striker, a uh, rotator cup strength and power are directly correlated to punching power. Um, and it's shoulder stability. So, so all the shoulder structural stability that we do will translate to force projection with striking. And, and, and it's funny is that all of the jumping work, you know, your mentor was just there. I think it was absolutely inspiring. I wish I was there to see him, uh, Kadir Ziani. you know, he's not trying to kick someone in the head, but he can kick the rim and kicking the rim. Isn't just like, he's just touching it gently. It's a full force projection of a kick. So. The stronger your hamstrings, the more mobile you are in the hip flexor, the more you can have kicking power. So, so these things that we do that are sort of, as Marcel says, shotgun or blanket, carpet bomb, whatever you want to call it, um, they translate to all the sports. But now if you want to be like, so does Marcel need a 75 kilo Jefferson curl? No, he plays tennis. He can do 25% body weight. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. He's like, that's good. Check. I'm good. What if you're going to pick someone up and suplex them and you're a wrestler? Well, like maybe like you're in flexion, you're going to pick another person up at your weight class. Maybe you should be able to do that in a controlled environment, not saying you should do a hundred or 300 kilos, but, but that ability to do these movements, the QL raise is that a bit of a higher load than just saying, Hey, I can do 25%, but maybe 50% about it. So the point is these different things, you know, the key with our coaching is that it's not limited to the numbers that we put out for our standard. The point is that's the minimum and thereafter you can get. So if someone says, oh, well, I squatted 1.5 times body weight, my response is high five, like, and now do more. If, if, if your athletic ability is where it is and you're pain free and you can do all that stuff now expand those capabilities. But the idea of the numbers is that it's a beginning of a structural stability such that you're not a specialist here and the rest is garbage. It's to bring everything up and then we add on to that with whatever individualization the person needs for their sport. If you're at 10% body weight, that's just, this is what you kind of eliminate. If you're at 10% body weight on our external rotator, great form owning that, like 
that's great because you're probably going to, wow, why do other people like have pain when they lift? I don't get it. But that's not going to give you a strategic advantage in a professional MMA fight. So that that's where it starts to get different based on sport is like where you're putting those intentions. And, and in basketball, like I want stronger rotator than 10%. I'm not convinced that is going to make me better than Steph Curry though. Okay. But in a fight, if I had to fight Steph Curry, I'd want to go to 15 or 20% and then I'd feel a lot more confident. So there's definitely a, a difference there. And like for a fighter, you're probably going to have to get beyond standard on just about everything. Like, yeah. so, it, oh, um, with the, with the, this idea, and I think this is not spoken about, and I think this is sort of connected to a baseball idea. There's no weight class in baseball or football. There's a weird thing with football with linemen and the 300 right. pounds, which I think is stupid, but there's no upper limit of hypertrophy, meaning you can be bigger. Like, and the bigger you are, the more strength you can put into that muscle. So, whereas in fighting, you are actually limited by a weight class. In any sport that there's weight, in any weight class sport, you have to get stronger. Yes. You have to be leaner and stronger. So so stronger is even more important because you're the same size as your opponent. Whereas yeah. in baseball, who cares if you're 270 pounds? If you're 270 pounds and jacked and strong and you can hit a ball like 800 miles, that's better. No one cares if you're 270 or 250. So there's no, I think Prince Fielder, one of the, you know, he's a $200 million man on you. You know, I know there was injuries and stuff, but I think he was like 275 pounds. Like he's a big, big man that was super strong and jacked and could knock the, knock the baseball out of the, you know, out of, so bigger and stronger are connected. But if you're, if you're limited with how big you can get, then you have to get much stronger. So you have to be much more precise in what you do. Heck of a point. Let's go soccer because dude, I think they've got all of us beat on how much money they're making right now. So it's idle. I can't even, it's insane, but I can, I know it's the top echelon, but still we have to break up and coming ATG soccer strength coaches. Great. Up great, great, great guys. And great. you've been mascar Zach. like, uh, no, we got two guys here, Jason, uh, Diaz range. Yeah. What are you, what are the clues you're giving the soccer guys to try to often, take I would say this, the thing is the assumption that because we do what we do that actual soccer players are not so uh, far off of what we do as ATG people. Most soccer players are obscenely weak. It's not a culture of lifting, and that's changing. Thank God. I know everyone said Cristiano Ronaldo with his physique has really, really, um, you know, helped that. And I think there's there is a lot of money to be made in soccer. I think, again, I don't play it. I don't like the sport personally. I like it. I like sports that are much more violent. Uh, that's my personal jujitsu football. I like sports like that. I, you know, maybe that's how I play basketball too, but, but anyway, the, the, but that's what I like to watch. So from hockey, you know, but from a skill point of view, there's, they're, they're phenomenally skilled, but I think the genius of, of, of what we do will translate the faster, stronger and, and much more explosive athletic soccer players. So I think there's a huge market, a huge, huge market. And a lot of Charles Hoffman's old students that were friends of mine did that in Europe and they took it and they lowered the injury rate. So I think the thing is the most important thing is to lower the quantity of injuries because the significant quantity of the best athletes in soccer, uh, get injured out of the game because they, they don't know how to manage a significant quantity of teams don't know how to manage the fast twitch athletes that they get as teenagers. And what happens is the athletes that survive the programs that are often not at fast twitch that survive and that attain that skill level that are making a ton of money. So. Again, everyone makes fun, you know, argues with me about my critiques of soccer. But I think the thing is that if we understand what it is that we do in ATG is the differentiation of the skill from a point of view of software and our bodies as hardware, there's such a huge differentiation, which means that the major, major opportunity for anyone to get into that game and to actually help those athletes, because you can take someone with the skill set and give their bodies such a huge boost. Whereas in some ways, like, even though I love training NFL athletes the most personally, I mean, I like NHLers, NHLers work their butt off and you get a bunch of time too, um, is, is what, and to be fair, I like training fighters because you can train them all year long. Um, is there, and there's cultures of lifting in those. So obviously I'm predisposed to that. I understand my bias. Um, you went to basketball because for you, it was part of who you were and it was part of who I was and how I got injured, but basketball is in the lifting culture. It's getting better, but 
but they're getting there. But from, from a soccer point of view, I think for people that love soccer, but do what we do, there's a huge market and there's huge room to change that. And I, but I think the entry point with soccer, and this is why I'm explaining the sort of the, 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 the philosophic conception of soccer is there's so many injuries that the entry point is injury proofing. So, so that's the injury entry point. And once you get people persuaded on that end, because we do that so well, then the athletic performance part about getting faster, more explosive, there's still a concept in soccer. And, and again, I think some people are more so, some people are less, where the weight room is going to slow you down, putting muscle on will slow you down. And that's such a 1980s concept. I'm um, swimming is a bit like that, but they've changed. Swimming has changed. Swimming used to be like that, that it used to be like, oh, the weight room will make you worse, you'll slow down. But I mean, we obviously know that that's absolutely ludicrous. So the idea that in soccer, I think the entry point in soccer is twofold, really work on getting injuries to a yeah. minimum and then proceeding to athletic performance. And I think the thing, the entry point is always the knee. The knee is it's huge in soccer. Ankle, knee, uh, groin injuries are huge. And we have the magic formula. You know, the split squat, knee flexion, calf work is really where it's at. Um, low back stuff. All the stuff we do is is magical. And I think the thing that a lot of our soccer coaches realize is soccer players really neglect the upper body. They think they don't need it, but it makes them faster. And uh, and if you land from a jump on your shoulder, you're going to hurt your shoulder if you can't if you don't have rotator cuff strength and shoulder stability. So there's a lot of that stuff. And I think I think the entry point is injury proofing. Like it's fixing injuries, and then athletic performance comes because they're they're always deprived. Oh, I'm running faster. Oh, it's easier. But the thing is that I think to mention about individualization it's we i'm pretty adamant about this to say that we don't deal with skill we don't deal with software you play tennis that's on myself coach to teach him tennis i'm not going to tell him oh you're serving wrong i have no idea i mean marcel will teach me more about and i know tennis but i don't i've trained a bunch of tennis players but i'm going to tell them the tactical decisions that they should make or their serve mechanics I just know, I, you just should know as a coach that the hardware is, I need to make sure the shoulder girl is amazing, their lats are amazing, their wrists are great, their forms are great, their QL is great, I need to make sure their low back, their, there's tons of groin shit in tennis. So you need to make sure that you know what the hardware is necessary for that sport. Well, recently, some neck stuff, not that much neck stuff, tons of grip stuff because of tennis elbow and all this kind of stuff, versus soccer where you know their knees get destroyed and you know their ankles get destroyed and you have to make sure that their lower body is just you know, in such a way, the, the amount of ACL tears in soccer is astronomical. It's crazy. Um, so, so what we do is we're, we're great at that. Anyway, that's on soccer, but I think, I think it's an, it's an amazing business point of view. One of our early online members and one of our early ATG coach members, Dak, I, I never remember if it's Woodworth or Woodward or it's Wood something. Woodward, Woodward. Woodward. Uh, but Zach really took that as like, I'm going to help soccer players with knee injuries. And for a young strength coach, go look at it. Go look at him on Instagram. And, but look at the results he's getting. Because of the results he's getting on what Ben Clarefield was saying, which is focusing on the injury side of it, he has a real shot to be training top, top guys. Because I know, because I've, I've walked that path where, like, you're getting local high school results and then college results, and then you start to get some pros coming in. And, like, this, this is how it happens. And, and Or, you know, you're, like, right in front of, Bryce Harper, one of the highest paid athletes of all time, $300 million contract. It really is a paved by results. And so you're 100% right on soccer that that would be the place to start. And we're seeing that with Zach is that built on a foundation of injury prevention. Now he's doing a great job. Great job. Built trust with those clients. And now they're going to be looking to for performance. And the way I explained it on a call to a soccer guy recently, but a soccer YouTube and he helps people and he's been doing ATG stuff. And he was asking me just kind of to like explain like how does this work to get more athletic? And I just looked at what most soccer do, and I'm like, you know, I haven't ever seen a soccer player who's training and definitely not measurably the main six lower body zones, meaning like your hips extend and flex, your knees extend and flex, your ankles extend and flex. Like you have a lot of untapped potential here just to run faster, kick harder, and stuff like that, but from what Ben was saying, and we can see with Zach, probably the in is is the injury side of it. And Zach's doing that. And now I guarantee now if he explains to the guy, well, here's these different things that we've been doing. And now as we get stronger, you actually can increase your stride, decelerate faster, cut harder, kick harder. And the person's going to be like, oh, wow, that's like common sense. And 
as coaches, we very possibly know how to train better for other people's sport than their sport coaches. You see this sort of like dogmatic approach to like, well, this person did jump rope. So if you just do jump rope, but then you track the person's like, and they end up, you know, never making it in the sport, having shoulder surgeries, having never once tried to like train the shoulder for real. So it's, it is our job to stay in our lane and not try to tell them what they should do skill wise, but it's also our job to step in and tell them what they do need to do training wise, because it's a math equation. If their sport coach is trying to be as good at the sport training, it's unlikely that they have a clue about ATG strength training and Charles Poliquin strength. I worked with a lot of other Poliquin trained guys and I was, I, I can't say I ever recall someone like me who was also like obsessed with a skill of a sport. So I was like obsessed with basketball skill. And so for specifically basketball, I would also help guys control their skill training. But that's like, that's super rare for someone to be still playing their sport at a high level, doing their skill drilling and be knowing ATG and Charles Poliquin work. It's just unlikely that that's the case. So even if I'm training football, I'm not going to tell the coach what drills to do, but it's my job to make sure that their conditioning isn't well, we're going to run around the lap this many times because that's what Bo Jackson didn't do. But in the story, they said he did it and that like it, it's right. We have to break the dogmatic approaches and help people train better because we've been devoting ourselves to figuring out the training so we can combine with the skill coach. You, 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 a great quote. This is a quote because of Charles Broadham and, uh, you know, uh, the great strength coach, Albert Meal, who won championships with the, uh, the only strength coach who won championships with the 49ers with NBA and NFL and the uh, Chicago Bulls. And uh, he he had a great line which said, you're always selling. And you're selling both to the players. You're selling what your recipe is to the players, but you're also selling to the coach above. So so you can have conversations. So I remember Preston having conversations with Billy Donovan and, you know, Coach Mike White and, you know, and all of his coaches. And he told me that he monitored also. He says, hey, in basketball is notorious. We talked about this, Ben. Basketball is notorious for running the athletes into the ground like running the athletes into the ground, thinking that more running is better. And so he had great conversations with his coaches saying, look, we're going to destroy the the test. Trust me on how I'm going to train them. But instead of running them into the ground, how about you trust me? And then we'll, we'll make sure that they destroy the fitness test for running. And then I'll make sure that they beat it. And if they don't beat it, then we can run them more. And so he would get the buy-in to be selling to the coach because the coach assumes, well, I got to destroy them and run them. So, so it's, it's also that relationship. And you're selling it to the client, to the athlete, and to the coach, and all these things. And that's about the relationships. Because at the end of the day, individualization, I learned this from Charles too, everything's built at the speed of trust. And the speed of trust is exactly what Ben is saying. When you get results, more people trust you. So the reason it's a Quan Barkley and you know, calling on Ben and Bryce Harper and, and all these guys is because of the results. It, that's the magic. And the results build trust so that you can get kind of results. And it's a magical you know, snowball effect of like, we get more results, we get more people, we get more results, we get more people, you get more, you know, famous people or whatever. And that means, and the, the individualization means that you, you see at the speed of trust of what the person can or can't do. So if Ben's getting flown in to, or Saquon's going to fly in, the trust is high. He's chosen you, uh, you've had conversations. So if you say you're going to squat like this, like that, whatever, he's like, I have never done that or whatever. He'll be like, okay, I'm in because of the level of like, of that truck factor of the results that have gone before you. Yep. So I'm going to give my closing and then Marcel can, and then Ben can. Cause, uh, when you, when you brought up Al Vermeil, um, Dick Vermeil, I, I mix up the Vermeil names too. There's one of them was the strike coach and one of them, which one was the Al, Al was a strike. Al was a strike. Right. I believe it was Al told this to Charles. I remember being on a, a chat when Paul, when you say it, questions on the chat sometime and someone asked him what's a good mile time for a basketball player and Charles answer was two hours <laughs> because like it was for high school it was, what's a good mile time for a high school basketball player my son blah 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 like what's a good mile time for a high school basketball player two hours because like in a high school game that's about what you're running in the course of a game and and I believe Charles said he got that from from Vermeil who was the only guy to win Super Bowls as a strength coach in football and basketball with the Niners. And then I believe the Bulls, but that brings me to one other, um, Paul Quinn story, which was, uh, he trained his running back and the running back NFL running back 
got so much faster that the strength coaches, when he went back to the team after the offseason, messaged Charles, said, hey, hey, you, whatever, um, fax us his running program. So Charles faxed them, and it didn't come through. It was just like a blank piece of paper. So they called him back, hey, can you send it? And I guess after so many times, Charles eventually told them, and they were like super pissed. Like, he didn't give the guy a running program. Like, he made him stronger. So I think that, I think that's my way to finish off the individualization by sport is that probably all sports are still really at the beginning stages of understanding strength training for that sport. Um, so that that's kind of my conclusion with those. It just, it, it brought up when you mentioned Vermeil, those those Charles Paulquin stories. Basically, strength training in itself understood for an athlete is it's a foundation of individualization and we can like just adding ATG to what an athlete is doing and reducing the excess mileage out the gate. Okay. MJ didn't succeed in spite of not getting serious about basketball till he was 16. LeBron didn't succeed in spite of not, uh, getting serious about basketball. Like he was still playing different sports and, uh, until he was 16, same with Kobe Bryant with soccer point. It's like there was less sports-specific mileage on MJ, Kobe, LeBron, Wilt Chamberlain, the top four names given. And that's why I said I had to just conclude now because I'll just go forever because it gets me so frustrated because basically I already had so much more basketball-specific mileage on my body compared to the greatest of all time. They didn't all succeed in spite of. They all would have had knee problems to some degree. None of them would have been as good as they became. Fact, if you already had chronic knee problems by 12 none of the top guys even started playing basketball seriously until at least 16 years old so the point is only that the strength training you have enough time oh i don't have time to strength train well if you want to be the greatest of all time you got time if you want Messi's leg and you're not on growth hormone as a kid which is probably a whole nother subject but people are going to look at Messi and see he's not just some stick figure in terms of muscle he's got really well built legs i'm sure he has pound for pound stronger bigger leg muscles than i do and i've been trying to train a long time to catch up my legs so i gotta stop there but marcel what's lucy i think that for me when it comes to individ individualization you have to understand like what it is that you need to target you know and that's where the ne the necessity of a coach comes in you know, you could always try ETG online coaching, which has a whole fleet of coaches trained in this methodology. And then also you have the in-person training, but yeah. the, the main thing, you know, is understand what are the demands of your body? What is needed and wanted from your body in order to optimally perform? I get a lot of DMs from tennis players saying, Hey, you look a little bit too big to be a tennis player. You're kind of swole. And it's like, well. I'm actually a lot more efficient than you are in executing my strokes because I have a lot more pound for pound strength in these areas required for me to execute my sport. And so just arbitrarily throwing numbers, let's say I use one unit of energy to produce X stroke, whereas they may use two or three. So because you get stronger in the areas that you need, it makes you more efficient in your sport and execution. So always look at yourself as uh you know as a temple or as as some sort of like machine which you need to build look at what the demands are and then target them you need general blueprints look at the programs available but then modify it in a way so that it can best benefit you and that's what i would say and that's exactly what we're trying to do with atg for coaches and with the round table is make coaches who are a cheat code to help people yes you could take this data yourself and program yourself it's extremely unlikely that you'll do the right like that you'll carry through like we have a natural instinct to kind of not you know to kind of shy away from the things we need so a coach a coach is life-changing who understands apg and how to individualize it and can make it clear for you and give you that path so yeah get get a coach whether in person or online, whether it's for one, go consult with Ben Clairfield for one session as a pro athlete. Like if you're listening to it, one consultation, get that, that coach feedback and it can be exponentially life-changing. 
Ben, you can you can finish this out depending on how this works. Yeah, I, I think the way I would say I would I would summarize individualization is there's the basis of stuff that we all need that we think in ATG. That's the basic recipe. But I think individualization is is more a matter of like more of something and slightly less of something else, but not zero of something. So that's my point about grip. Like everyone needs grip training because we all use our hands. Everyone needs next step if we're learning our folds like this. But a fighter, someone's trying to knock their head off. A football player, a hockey player, someone's trying to knock their head off. Well, a jujitsu athlete needs not to, not to get choked. They need more network, you know, or that's the, a bit more versus like zero or whatever. So it's more like you're, you're sort of shifting and the coach is going to pick when and what more of. I think that's the thing. And there's a timing of it depending on the athlete. But the individual could also be some people need more split squats, some people need more squats. That's also the what's more or less, but not zero. I think that's the way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's, we're all we're all different, so we all have to figure it out. You you've crushed it, and I don't think I I guided this one personally that well. But sometimes it's the best is when it just flows and it and it leads to further ideas. And so it's it's very clear to me that compared to the norm out there right now, um everyone listening to this like your potential is is significantly better for motion and prevention of injury than the norm is expected of us right now and and thanks to these guys for sharing the wisdom and we'll be back on next week with another topic Maybe.